Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak to Roger Lemaitre today, who's the CEO of UEX Corp. They're a Canadian uranium explorer with multiple assets. We catch up with him and get his take on the current behavior by utility buyers. He was involved with Cameco during the last cycle, and we wonder if there's any similarities between then and now. He gives us a, his view on that. Uh, we also get an update on where he is with their projects. They raised a little bit of money before Christmas and seem to be cautiously planning their spend uh, for the next six months or so, and then they will review the situation. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, Roger. How are you, sir? Doing great. How about yourself? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. You hold up at home like everyone else? Have been, yes. Have been. It's uh, We were one of the earlier companies to get involved in that. After coming out of the PDAC and hearing about people being sick there, we, 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 we isolated ourselves pretty early in this whole process. So it's been a while. Look, it's been a really exciting two weeks for Uranium. Okay, so um, I'd like to maybe, let's kick off with that one minute summary first of all, but then I'd love to get into some macro bit with you. So give, give people who need this story that one minute overview. Okay, so UEX is probably, or probably it is, sort of the only portfolio company you can get out there in Uranium Junior Space right now. While we have projects ready to line up into development when the market says it's ready, uh, at Shea Creek and, and Horseshoe Raven. Uh, and we have a huge portfolio, probably bigger than most juniors should have uh, at the grassroots level. Where we really shine is in the mid-stage portfolio where we have mineralized holes or hot spots that are waiting to be followed up on. We have five projects with probably uh, somewhere in the range of 15 to 20 targets on those five uh, areas where we can make the next discovery. And uh, through up cycles and down cycles in the uranium industry, the next discovery company always does better than the producers and developers. So that's where UX really shines. We have the portfolio that's unmatched by anyone in our space. Okay, cool. Well, let's talk about that in a second. Um, last week we saw Kamika make the announcement about Cigar Lake. People got pretty excited. They started projecting numbers, work, working at working at where the way the things were going. This week we've seen Kazatom Prom make a sort of similar announcement. Stunning down their uh, workforce for three months. Now, Cigar Lake talked about four weeks, I think. Is that right? Yeah, I, I, I hope it's only four weeks for their yeah. sake, but I would be very surprised if it's only four weeks. I think three in three months might be a little more realistic by the time they get up and going and, and their impact on the stakeholder communities. They have so many people who work from these northern remote communities that in their camp, uh, the, the risk of bringing it back to their you know, more the important stakeholders for not just them, but for everyone else in the industry is really high. So I think it might be a little longer than that. Um, we're a little behind in, in province of Saskatchewan when it comes to the ramp up of COVID. So we haven't probably seen the peak or close to the peak yet. So it could be longer, it's possible. And they've also had that double whammy with Kazatom Prom, you know, talking about a three month shutdown because obviously uh, Kamiko were the beneficiary of some of that output as well. So it's not been a good couple of weeks for them. Yeah, it's been a it's been a tough one. That's where they're going to buy some other pounds that they're not buying or getting from Cigar Lake. So, uh, yes, double whammy for sure for them, and all of that impacting, of course, the revenue stream as well. Yeah, and we've been talking to a few other sort of influencers in the market, CEOs in the uranium space, and everyone's got a view as to what's happening in say Africa with Rossing and uh, Husab, and what might be happening in Australia. And I say doing those calculations, trying to work out just how how much. 
uh, how many pounds have been taken out of the market as a result of COVID-19. And uh, whatever the number, it's pounds that the market couldn't afford to have drop out of the market. I think I think we'll agree on that. Oh, yes, I would agree. And then depending where you sit on the fence, of course. Yeah, but I guess where we're going to get to is what does it mean for you? What do you think that could mean for you? Uh, well, I think if you were to look back, turn a clock back a couple of weeks ago, the junior rating space, I mean, the, the, the space has been down for such a long period of time. Uh, things got extraordinarily dire for most of the companies out there. We saw it in the market valuation depreciations. I think this breathes a little bit of life back into the space. But I think more than anything else, it reminds me, and I've said, I think last time we talked, that it smells like 2005 all over again. And here we are now, maybe early 2005 to now late 2005. And it's always taken utilities to get a little bit of a supply shock in the market to break themselves of the mentality that the world is awash in endless, forever, infinite amounts of, of cheap uranium. And I think this may be very much like it was in 2006 when a cigar like flood happened. And I remember it intimately because I was a manager at Cameco at the time. And the uh, I remember having to do a talk about the uranium junior space and how important it was to get a sustained price of around $40 a pound to maintain the industry in general. And I had a lot of utility people at the NEI in Quebec City uh, the day of the cigar like flood. And I ended up being the only chemical person around at the time. And it was amazing. My first real exposure to utility buyers. And it was amazing to watch them sort of come to the realization that maybe the good times have changed. And I would say they're over because there's always a cyclical process, but they were really shocked into the reality. Oh, wait a second, this isn't going to end forever. So maybe what we're seeing supply shocks now is the first step in that process, uh, which would be good because, you know, quite frankly, at today's prices, uh, nobody goes to profit. So something has to give sooner or later. And maybe this is the impetus to start pushing that, but we shall see. Okay, so using that historical reference of yours, how quickly does that shock start having an impact in the marketplace? Because we, we saw a little bump last week in the uranium price, but not a lot. And nothing's really happened this week, nothing meaningful. So what's the process they are going through, given your exposure to them previously? I can't imagine behavior has changed too much. I think it's whether that they can procure what they need in the period that they need it in their time frame. We've seen them eat into inventories, both within their own in, their own sort of inventory and then the general inventories with a long three or four years worth of supply deficits. Uh, the question is whether or not there's any free trading uranium they can pick up out there. So the, the bottom line for the utility will be when I go to the market, can I pick up what I need discretionary wise in the next month or two months uh, that won't take a year to get? Uh, if they can't get it in the short term as a real support or as it would be a real spot price. Uh, then they'll start to push their their sort of direction towards long-term pricing. And as long as the suppliers hold to their word and that they're not going to supply, sign long-term supply contracts at today's prices because it's not sustainable, then there will be a push on price. And if they are willing, depending where they're at, they may they may change their mind. But but yes, I think it's the beginning of that. It's, it's one of the steps along the way. Uh, there could be another need for another supply shock to make that happen. Uh, something going down longer term, but uh, I'm sure that utilities are going, well, this is a couple months. Can we weather it out? Can we pick up a couple of discretionary pounds here and there? Uh, and if the answer is no, then it will move the price. And if the answer is yes, then uh, then we'll, they'll need the next little surprise. But what does that price move look like? Or what did it look like? If, if we're going to use that as a reference. Uh, around, around Cigar Lake, it went from $40 to $60 pretty much overnight. 
So we haven't seen that kind of response yet. So, uh, so yes, it's it's the fear that there's not going to be out there. Okay, but, that, but I think right now that's probably not enough to say that's out there. If these things were to turn into longer term shutdowns uh, than three months, then maybe it starts to get there. Okay, but so, so it sounds like Cigar Lake was a was a massive shock, you know, and I think you know by definition, oh, sh- shock changes behavior. And you, you know, your answer to me was, well, it depends what's what, how many pounds are out there and what their inventories look like. So this may not yet be the shock that they need. It's it's cumulatively it could become that way. Like say if Olympic Dam were to close, and then I think the indications are it's not going to. It may be disrupted, but not going to close. But it'll have a, an impact and output. But until they know what that means, I guess they're not going to make decisions. I, I would agree. Uh, if they think they can they can make it through the next three or four months uh, and things return back to normal, then yeah, they'll they'll see if they can weather it out. Uh, if not, uh, I think one of the things that's a little different um, now than it was back then. Uh, we had a few supply mini supply shocks along the way before the big cigar like flood. There was the little cigar like flood. There was the MacArthur River flood. There was the Ranger uh, pit flooding as well along the way um, but there was an amount of UF6 and UEP that was out in the market that you don't see today because it's been bought up in the last few months anyway so it really does it really does come down to can can I meet my if I'm a utility can I meet my short-term needs uh, or my medium-term needs and 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 I don't know if there's a if you ask utilities today they probably tell you yes you ask them a month from now they might feel differently yeah, it's interesting. I, I mean, typically around this time of year, April, May, the utilities do make a statement about inventory levels. They're not obliged to, but typically they would choose yep. to. Now, and again, I guess then it's at their discretion whether they do that now or whether they continue to hold their cars close to their chest because that will impact their, the cost of their buying. And I think uh, part of it, particularly uh, looking at the uh, Section 232 thing, a uh, lot of less discretionary buying in the last year. So inventories haven't been building for most utilities in the last year. They've been whittling away slightly. Uh, and, you know, from a from a junior exploration company portfolio perspective, uh, I look at this and go, okay, um, we've, we haven't seen them been buying. We've seen some of the other stuff that they normally come in the short term whittle away. Uh, we've seen a few supply, you know, constraints happening along the way. Um, I'm going to be optimistic. Certainly, the market is 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 starting to see uh, that they think there could be a bit of a change. And, and from our point of view, that's uh, I can't control those things. I can only control the things that are that we can control. We not we're not a player in the buying and selling uranium. So, at this point in time, so we'll control what we can. Yeah, which is what our own operations. It's kind of bizarre. It kind of feels like one of those. You know, I don't know if you've got them in, in Canada or the states. They, they have those sort of seaside arcade games, and you kind of you put your dime. And it kind of falls down through sort of a, a maze. It falls down to, onto a level, and they pile up there. And then when you get enough up there, they fall down onto the next level. And if you get enough there, they but but they're always precariously balanced over the edge of the cliff. And you, you keep throwing your money in. Or in this in this case, all of these kind of big events, which should have an impact, which just aren't. And I think people are just waiting for that. Those coins to topple down into the bucket below, it's it's deeply frustrating. I'm, I'm, I'm sure for for shareholders, but it must be very frustrating for you. For shareholders, for everybody, for everybody. I think I think the strange part about it is, uh, uh, I believe a more transparent market and a more realistic understanding by all the players would lead to a much more stable market where people would understand what's going on uh, and and be able to 
to the, the play appropriately, whether it's at the junior sector, whether it's at the nuclear power sector, uh, end of things, the end producer point of view, and everything in between. Mm. Um, it just it's feast or famine for sure when it comes to what people believe. Yes, yeah, interesting. And but there's very entrenched positions as well, very very entrenched positions on very, both sides. Very much so. But we've been also having conversations with generalist fund managers, and I think their ears are perked up at this point. They're not pulling the trigger, but they're definitely more interested than they they have been for a long time because they've been hearing the same stuff for the last three four years. But I think it okay. seems to be lining up, right? Um, but we, we shall see. Yeah. We shall see because I think most of them look at the spot price. I know you, you guys understand its term about term and contracts, etc. But I think for generalists, they're looking at that spot price to move as the, as the key indicator um, and a lot more buying. Uh, yeah, everyone likes term, but even in all the long term contracts, not all, but a whole lot of them do have some sort of tie back to spot price of some sort. Um, there can be base escalated prices, but there are a lot of them. There's a lot of market driven pricing as well. And, and spot price has a big impact on those prices. And, and so, yes, it has a huge impact. Um, you know, from an investor point of view, you want to, you know, you, have to, you also keep in mind the fact that long-term, long-term works bad on the way on the price up and, and good on the way down when yeah. the price, spot price goes up and down. Yeah. I'm, I'm, just, like, I'm just thinking about the optics really here because um, oh, oh. For, for outsiders, it, they look at they look at spot. You know, you you might know. We we might understand that it's it's term and it's and even there it's kind of structured term at that. So, um, but it's a real indicator. And I, you know, I was surprised the price didn't move more this week. Um, really surprised. And I think the, the lot of the the chat and conversation in the marketplace seemed to be right. This is it. This is our white swan to use that well worn it, phrase. It's down to buyer. Buyers' ability to procure material when they need it, and if they can, then they will. I mean, the the only the good news is that behind the scenes in the market space, uh, we're seeing a change in the buyers, in what they're looking for, in the last six seven months. So we're we're not seeing speculators play a bigger role, which is kind of surprising when you think things are starting to move. We're seeing utilities take a bigger role, and they're starting to look more for. I wouldn't say long term is what you hear a lot of people say. We're looking for term. They're looking for term contracts, but that sort of three, four year window, not the ten year window, which everyone sort of thinks of as the golden age of if you're from the producer's point of view. I'm not sure that's coming back unless there's an extreme supply shortfall coming, and I don't know if that's actually going to ever manifest itself. That a lot of that was driven by Chinese incremental demand saying we're jumping into the market here in mm -hmm. 2008. And we need X number of pounds. I think they're a little smarter than that now, and they're going to be incrementally coming into the market. So I'm not sure that 10-year contracts are going to be the norm, uh, but you know, four or five-year contracts might be the norm hmm. in the next uh, sort of run-up. But we'll see. I'm, I'm certainly not the expert on that. Yeah. Well, like I, I won't, I won't um, bore you or drag you into conversations about you know who you know who the beneficiaries will be and and at what price, etc. But let, we want to hear talk about you. So. Um, Thank, thanks for giving us your views on that and your you know historical um, insight as to you know how people behaved in the last round. So what's been happening? You raised a bit of money for Christmas. We we had a chat. We did, yeah. How are things going? Well, we're, we're we we intentionally went into this year with a slower than than previous yeah. year's program in mind uh, because the prices of the stock were low. We didn't want to dilute shareholders severely, so we're still on plan. We've done our work at. Uh, at West Bear, looking for uranium and cobalt uh, just north of the West Bear deposit, and 
uh, those results will be out imminently. Uh, we're just waiting for the last of the uh, the asset results to, to be processed. Uh, on our Christie Lake project, we've done the work in our area uh, along the trend of the mineralized deposits where we thought there was an offset and we were hoping to have some geophysics targeting, helping us refine our targeting a little bit better than what we had in the past. And we're just getting results back from that and they'll be out here shortly as well. But we're pretty encouraged by that. We will be going back into the field to do uh, a, a very modest drill program at Christie in the, in the Aurora North area. Our plan was to go out in June. I think we're going to defer that now until till August uh, or September, uh, one just from basically based on the COVID uh, scenario here and making sure that access for everybody and all stakeholders is safe. Um, we see a lot of uncertainty in the markets, as you've seen, so we're very much uh, looking at any possibility and we have been pairing costs back substantially so that we work way through into into next year without uh, without much issue. So those are all things that we're still working on putting the final screws on in the last next couple of days. But yes, we're very cognizant of the fact that uh, while there's been this improvement in the market right now, we want to be very cautious. Yeah, like I, th I think that's sensible. Um, you know, I think, you know, most companies are going to get a free pass uh, in the market. Uh, I would say that, you know, that uranium investors particularly We've had high hopes off the back of last week and this week's announcements and I guess it's a very fast moving fluid environment at the moment to see if companies had been approaching you, you know, have been talking about financing on you know, on, on what whatever terms. Obviously, you know, that your share price has recovered along with everyone's everyone else's after the shock of um, the past month or so. Uh, which is which is good news, um, you know. And I know you've always been very very straight uh, with us about you know how you go about managing these things. So you know, I think people do understand that. But at the same time, is there a kind of cause for hope, or is there any kind of glimmer of light in the distance that you've identified, or is it just head down, control where you can control, and um, we'll let you know? Uh, I think our view has always been control what we can control. Uh, if opportunities pop up, yes, the, we, we look at them. Uh, there's certainly been a lot of talk within the sector about opportunities within groups over the last little while. Uh, but it's it's difficult because it's hard to finance just what you already have in your portfolio. So, yes, we all look at those. And, you know, if things continue to improve, then there's always an opportunity to, to be able to to do more. Uh, maybe it's raising some money to be able to do some more things or acquire some more things. But for our company right now, uh, we have that large portfolio. And so if we're going to add anything to the portfolio, it has to, you know, we have we have 20 projects in the portfolio. We can fund two at best. Um, there's no reason to bring something on that doesn't top two or three of our projects. And that, and that those are few and far between uh, right now in the space. And, and we definitely want to stay focused on the Athabasca. Okay, now I guess where I was getting at was a case of do you see the last couple of weeks' announcements as a, a springboard to move forward, in which case do you get a little bit more aggressive with your plans? Oh. Or do you say, now tell you what, it's a cautious approach, we'll, we'll keep with the hunkering down strategy for now, uh, we won't have conversations with people about money yet. I mean, wh which side are you on? Uh, I think if you'd asked me a week ago, it would have been absolutely hunkered down no matter what. Uh, I think this week, if you were to look around and say, okay, well, at least you can keep your eye open to the possibility. Um, and, but you know, you need to pull the trigger today. Well, not necessarily. Uh, it's more of a, if it's the right thing at the right time, then we would think about it. Right. But we're, we're, we're assuming it's going to be hunkered down for a while. 
But no one's like, there's no inbound phone calls from groups going, well, hey, this is starting to look interesting. You, you, you've been, you, come on, all CEOs say to me, we're having conversations no, all the time. So, you know, is anything, any inbounds? Oh, there's definitely been people on the inbounds for sure. Um, it, <laughs> uh, it's nothing like uh, bouncing off the bottom to get people to pop out of the woodwork with the uh, greater than, than uh, not necessarily the best opportunities you'd want to take advantage of. So. I don't. I don't think for us being first to to be in in say new finding or new money, new financing, is exactly where we want to be. We want to see things shake a little bit first, yeah, uh, before we even think about it. But you know, we're if you'd asked me, like I said a week ago, when we're we're starting in that under ten cent range, you go, oh boy, um, this could be a very long time before things change. Um, we shall. You know, I, I'm, I think we're going to be a little more cautious. I'm more optimistic that that things aren't going to be as dire as what we thought they would be a month ago um, in terms of long-term financing and industry and space. Uh, but that will re- it will really depend upon what happens in the next month with uh, with people's perception of the market uh, of, su- of supply shortfalls. Right. If they're going to hold. Okay. But you're not, you're not susceptible to any kind of predatory type funding or necessity for any predatory type funding. You, you've raised that, was it no. 1.6 no. or so before Christmas? You, you're good. For the foreseeable, we're, we're good through the year through year end. Uh, I mean, I don't think we're all that different. And if we're looking at doing more things in 2021, we're going to have to come back to the market. Mm. I think that's pretty much if you almost all our peer companies are going to be in the same spot mm. in the space because of the little prolonged downturn. Uh, but no, we don't have to do anything that we don't need to do, and we don't don't have to do something. Uh, you know, we we try to avoid certain kinds of deals, and uh, because they are very predatory, and it's not fair to shareholders. So. Okay. We could have raised two or three million dollars more back in November and December last year, and we didn't because we didn't think it was appropriate. Okay. And did you take the opportunity when it was down at whatever ten cents to load up? Did you feel the, did the board feel the need to support the stock, or did you think it would be temporary? What, what was your view? Uh, board would love to have loaded up on the stock, but because we're sitting on some drill results, we were we were actually. Or we're waiting for the last of the drill results to come out. We were kind of blocked out. So okay, okay, interesting. Okay, well, I, I, I and just I'll just finish off on this one question with you, which is: so where do you think you slip into the cycle if things? Because I mean, our view is what was end of the year, last quarter, right? That was our view. I think we may bring that forward a quarter. Um, what's your take on? on when the market you know gets to a point where people do start coming back and by, and by that i mean where generalists come back in whether the spot price is at a point and contracts are being signed where generalists can come back in um, and prices start to move on the equities front but you're an explorer you're not a near-term producer i think near-term producers are clearly going to be the beneficiary of any you know initial movement but you will be able to get funded more easily and hopefully at a price which is more than um, you know that you would want. Let's put it like that: the, the price that you would want. So, where do you fit into this? Well, I would agree with you that uh, that you know we were thinking last quarter is probably the one where where sort of the numbers hit the road. People start to find the, the difficult to pick up spot before this current supply shortfall. So, I would I would agree things move up a quarter uh, until we see what people are actually buying and selling over the next quarter. That's gonna that's gonna lead. The, the buyers and sellers to make their decisions. And until they do, uh, we're not gonna see a lot of movement. Uh, for us, um, 
as a as a as a development company with resources there i think we're we're in that weird space between the grassroots explorers and the developers uh, but once again it's that portfolio of opportunities that people can 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 multiply on better than you can if you're a developer or a producer and i think because people are coming back into the space what's unique about us if they're looking for a basket or a portfolio they can build one from the various companies or they can invest in one and i think that's where we fit into the space Okay, fantastic. Well, Russia, thank, thanks very much for the update. I do, I do appreciate your candor every time we talk. So, you know, I think you run a tight ship there under difficult conditions over the past few years. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I hope it, the move, movement does happen a lot quicker. Um, I'd love to talk to you at some point, you know, when that happens, you know, what your plan is with all of these assets, because I think, you know, it's, it's a strength and it's a liability for you. So, you, you know, the opportunity really? is... Is, is big um, for sure if you get that model right. So you come back on and tell us all about it when you've got a, a, a bit more of a, a bit more clarity about what's happening in the market. Yeah, agreed. And, uh, and when the market the market turns and, and and the new companies can get in or the or the existing old graphics companies are looking to upgrade their portfolio, we can get more of those projects working because they'd be flagships for a lot of other companies. And, and that's our plan with the non I would say the non-core assets but generally the non-core assets that we have that would still be top notch for a lot of our peer companies or smaller peer companies for sure I'd love to set them out there today but no one can finance them so why bother well true true pragmatic pragmatic um Roger thanks very much for your time um enjoy the rest of the week I hope we finally get out of our houses and uh back to work properly and uh like I say do pick up that phone when you've got something to say okay I definitely will Definitely. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.